0: Hello, and welcome to I Want to Like You, a weekly podcast from Real Simple about how to handle the irritating people in your life with goodwill and grace. I'm Kristen Van Ogtrop, I'm the editor of Real Simple, and with me today is Dr. Ted Klontz. Hi, Ted. Good morning.
1: How are you? I'm good. Well, I guess it's not morning there.
0: <laughs> well, no, for me, it's not morning, and I'm also not in Hawaii, as you are, so... <laughs> We're just going to pretend we're all in a neutral, as I'm in freezing New York and you're in incredible Hawaii, we're going to tr- pretend we're someplace in the middle like Kansas. It's a very
1: simple thing. <laughs> it's a very simple thing. All you do is get your children to move to Kauai, mm-hmm. and then you have to do parental duty at least twice a year.
0: Oh, all right, which might be a cut topic for another podcast, actually. <laughs> hey. But so, Ted, I didn't. I, I neglected to ID you. Ted, you are a behavioral consultant And the co-founder of Your Mental Wealth, also the author of six books, including Mind Over the Over Money. I know that you know that about yourself, but the listeners of my podcast might not know that about you. Although, if they listened to the Cheapskates podcast, they will uh, remember that, no doubt, about you because you were one of the experts on that podcast. So today we are not talking about cheapskates. We are talking about moochers now. When you were my, my guest on the Cheapskates podcast, you sort of right off the bat, but in a very gracious way, proved that you are a better human than I am by saying you don't, you don't like the word cheapskates. And so I'm wondering, I want to get to the definition of moochers in a minute, but is there, as you do with cheapskates, is there a word you use to describe a cheapskate, I mean a moocher, rather, that is not moocher?
1: Well. I think there are two words uh, describing two different kinds of people. There's a group of people called opportunists
2: mm-hmm.
1: who intentionally use others. It's a part of their money and wealth management scheme. And they're always asking for a discount, you know, never expecting to pay, letting me pay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and they've learned that as a strategy for maneuvering through life. That And actually, there's some cultures that teach that, that their job is to take everything they can from the people who have it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, you know, the, the old saying, um, a fool and his money are soon separated. Um, they're, they're, they're the foolers, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. And then, then, there, then there are the people who I think are the, you know, there are some people like that, but and I imagine there may be many people like that, but I don't know many of them because I don't have those people in my life very much. But then there are the what I call the oblivious people, the people who are so lacking in social skills or social schooling, and sensitivity that they have no clue
2: mm-hmm. what
1: their side of of the relationship is, and uh, my experience has been poverty and privilege. The range between poverty and privilege we're, we're all there somewhere. Right. They all have different different norms for what's expected from me and uh, what my belief systems are about it. I remember just loving this uh, cassette tape that this a long time ago that a friend of mine had. And I, I was just telling him, oh, I just love that, I just love that, I just love that, secretly hoping that he would give it to me. Right. And he, he just very gently said, well, you know, you can buy one. And yeah. I, I never, it never had entered my mind that I could buy one, I mean, because I came from a place of abject poverty.
2: Oh. Um, we just
1: didn't buy things. Basically, we lived off the goodwill of other people. And so um, growing up into a, a more affluent world, you know, my my value system and my belief systems and my behaviors um, probably seemed at times to other people to be muters, but it, you know, I was oblivious. I, I didn't really know.
0: So, in other words, so because I'm I'm curious about the relationship between the oblivious folks and the poverty privilege spectrum. So, mm-hmm. in other words, there there can be oblivious people anywhere on that spectrum, right?
1: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The further up the financial chain you go, the more I would say mainstream and commonplace the uh, expectations are
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, that if, if uh, you know, I, I, again, I came from a place of extraordinary poverty. So if somebody asked me to come to dinner, I wouldn't think that I should buy them a gift as a, you know, you know, uh, to greet them at the door.
2: Right, um, because,
1: you know, we didn't have, you know, when people invited you to dinner, it was a gift. And um, so so I believe that there are a significant number of people uh, in that category who, you know, historically, they've just lived off the goodwill of other people. And what may seem like mooching to the person who's paying, right. uh, they're just totally oblivious to that whole thing. There are people who are consciously doing that as a part of their what I would call their wealth management scheme, right? right. They intentionally, they intentionally, um, uh, not that they need it, but if they can get somebody else to pay for it or if they can get somebody to give them a discount, you know, that, that's, that's a part of how they manage their life and their money and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, they certainly are those people.
0: So, so as far as the definition of moochers, and I want to go back to those opportunists in a minute. So according, according to Merriam-Webster... The moocher is a beggar or a scrounger. And this term has actually been around since it looks like about the 1870s. And it comes from the late Middle English definition of to hoard. So when I think about... So it's something that that's, we've been doing for quite a while, as it turns out. But, um, and, and people are calling us on it. But when I think about the opportunists... There's a woman that uh, works with me at Real Simple, and this came up in a meeting one day, and she talks about something called, and I, I may be getting what it's called wrong, but I don't think I am, the nice guy discount or the good guy discount. And, it, okay, first of all, does that phrase mean anything to you?
1: When I hear definitions like that, basically, it's my, if, if I'm using that of you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm calling you names. I mean, just because I would call you uh, a moocher doesn't mean that you are. It means I don't like your behavior and I think you are. And, you know, it's a sort of a derogatory term. So, you know, I, I could call you a moocher,
2: right. but that's
1: really me taking care of my need to call you something because I don't like your behavior yeah. or I don't accept your behavior or whatever. So it's name calling. But and uh, I, I, don't, I don't think there's very much to be gained over time in sort of staying in that place. Right. Same if I called you a Republican or a Democrat. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's in a derogatory kind of way.
0: Well, this is how you've really—this is how you made me a better person about the word cheapskate, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but what I'm wondering is, have you heard of this—of something called a good guy discount or a nice guy discount? Do you know what that means?
1: Well, I I have several things that come to mind when I hear that, but I'm not sure what specifically she might have been talking okay, about. Okay,
0: so so what she means, and this is this really is being an opportunist, which is, you, you know, the first category of person you said who, one might call moochers if one weren't a nice person. <laughs> um, <laughs> so so she when she's buying something. And I'm not sure if it goes for any kind of thing she buys, but she is opportunistic in, in a, what I find a very shrewd way and says, like, can I get a nice guy discount on that or can I get a good guy, guy discount? So basically it's like, will you charge me less because I'm a nice person? And mm-hmm. the thing that is remarkable to me is how often it works for her. I mean, yeah. how often people say, oh, okay. No, I just, I, I don't know, maybe I'm just not ballsy enough, or, or I, don't re- I wouldn't remember, but I can't imagine. But it really, really works. And maybe, as you say, that's part of her wealth management strategy.
1: Well, I, I think it works. Uh, it obviously works. And the question I would always ask is, how does the person on the other side of the transaction feeling about that?
2: Mm-hmm. My
1: hunch is they don't feel good about that. They probably feel taken advantage of. Or you know, it's not a good thing. Um, I don't you know, it's not a good exchange. But for for her, it, there's a benefit. Oh yeah. For the interact, not sure there's benefit. If it, uh, when people ask me for a discount,
0: mm-hmm.
1: asking me to discount me. Oh. And that that just doesn't feel good.
0: Well, it's a very interesting. Maybe it's. Is, I don't know if it's power or it's a very interesting maybe pa- dynamic of power between absolutely the so-called moocher and the person that they're dealing with. So there's a guy I used to work with who had a, a former colleague, and they used to have lunch regularly. and she And she would frequently ask him to go out to lunch, and she never, ever, ever offered to pay for lunch. And so he always ended up paying for lunch. And it made me, of course, at why, you know, is a whole other podcast topic, because why I cared. I had no skin in the game. So, But it enraged me <laughs> that my friend would keep paying for this woman when she never offered, even though it was her idea to go out to lunch in the first place. And he never said anything to her. He just kept doing it. And I guess she was kind of an opportunist. But, But say you're in a relationship like that with someone who you find they're the op- they're not oblivious. Well, maybe they are oblivious, but maybe they're opportunists and you feel like you're always on the short end of the stick in terms of they're they're constantly mooching from you and you want it to stop. How is there a productive way to preserve that relationship?
1: Well, let me, ask you, uh, let me ask you a question. Who were you enraged with? The person who allowed this to happen to them or the person who was doing it to them?
0: I was enraged with the person who was doing it to them. Maybe okay. that was misplaced. Okay. Maybe I should have been <laughs> mad at him for letting it happen over and over and over. Actually, I should well, have know, not um, cared,
1: frankly. But <laughs> Well, you know, I, uh, I have hunches about why you did care. And um, typically, and this is just a hunch, I don't know you, but uh, we've been taken advantage of that way. Mm. And so we're watching, you know, someone we care about, the same thing's happening to them that's happened to us.
2: Mm -hmm. And, you know,
1: the the anger we feel is um, sort of geared, you know, fueled a little bit by, you know, our own frustration or experience or lost relationships or whatever. But here's, here's, you know, where I go with that. And um, because there's really... Honestly, only one person's behavior that I can ever control, and that is my own. Right. And so, you know, if if he were saying that to me, I probably wouldn't be a really good friend because I would sort of say, so tell me, you know, tell me about your part. Um, I'm guessing that there was something about her saying, let's go out to lunch that... Uh, was helpful to him or, you know, it was a payoff for him or Mm -hmm. whatever it is. I don't know. I don't really know what the relationship was, but he was getting something from her, too. Right. If it was companionship or just friendship or, you know, maybe uh, staying in the good graces of the politics of the office or whatever.
0: I know. I'll tell you what Um, he was getting from her from this. He was getting gossip. That's what he was getting. ah. I think that was the okay. exchange, unspoken exchange. Mm-hmm. He paid for lunch and she uh-huh. gave him good gossip. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's well, what I think. Okay, so, so so we have a fair exchange,
1: right?
0: Um, <laughs> Depends on how good uh, the gossip I mean, is, I guess. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: well, I mean, um, so it was a transaction of sorts, even though you know, no one was that that upfront about what was really going on, and you know, it's like if you want good gossip, you got to pay for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was sort of her conditions, and 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 I think that uh, there's also a gender, a historic gender difference that um, you know, I, I'm a male, obviously, and uh, I I expect myself to pay, mm-hmm. and because it, it's a woman, and you know, and especially if you know that it's not clear exactly what the circumstances are the default cuz you know the man historically and i think even genetically to some degree is supposed to take care of the woman mm. and that's you know all that factors in there too
0: taking this kind of fundamental understanding that you just laid out which is you can only control one person's behavior and that's your own that said are there constructive ways that you can I mean, I guess one way to make that stop would be to say to her in that situation, I'm not paying for lunch today. Let's split it. But, but if it's a kind of a repeated dynamic in your relationship with a person, is there a kind of graceful way to make it stop once and for all rather than having to in every single situation say, basically, I'm not putting up with this?
1: Well, of course, uh, the very last thing you said is one option. I'm just not going to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. So the relationship ends. Mm -hmm. Um, The other extreme is to do nothing and and to suffer Mm -hmm. and to bring your friends into the suffering circle with you. And in between, uh, there are a number of things. One thing I want to make really clear is the research is very clear that direct confrontation uh, is not effective
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: in this or any other kind of situation where something needs to change.
0: What And by direct confrontation is not effective, what, what would direct confrontation look like? I'm not paying
1: for it anymore. Okay. Direct intervention is not an effective way to resolve things in a positive way. Direct mm-hmm. intervention quite often creates a situation where the relationship ends or the relationship goes into a lot of tension. Mm-hmm. So... You know, our, our hope is if I tell you really clearly that you'll change your behavior. But my guess is that in this case, this woman, that, that was sort of her economy, if you know what I mean. Mm. Like he was not the only one that she related to like this. Right. So it's a part of her economy. Mm. So, so if I say, look, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore, then more likely than not, the gossip would have not <laughs> been positive right. and uh, he would have lost something. So one way of doing it. Uh, and, and you were talking about is there, a, is there a space in between doing nothing and, and you know, sort of hitting him over the head with it. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, you would say to me, hey, let's go out to lunch tomorrow. I'd go, great, let's go Dutch. Right. In an indirect way, I'm asking you to change.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the risk in doing that is, of course, I don't get out of that lunch what I want. Because you know, she, um,
2: she's
0: mad.
1: Essentially, what I'm hearing, yeah.
0: Yeah, you that, changed that the rules. They had a deal.
2: Right.
1: Yeah, changing the rules. Yeah. And if I were working with that particular gentleman, I might say, okay, so can you consider this an investment in your career? Right. Uh, It's like taking an online course for 50 bucks. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, is this the best way to use that 50 bucks? And then, then you can go into dinner going, okay, this is an investment. This is not a personal relationship. This is not an equal relationship. She has something that I want from her. Right. And this is what it's costing me. And so the whole attitude then begins to shift and change, too.
0: It sounds to me like you are, would not recommend having a you know, having a separate conversation, not in the moment. Like I guess my impulse, and maybe it's the wrong impulse, would be when you're not out to lunch, so at a time that feels kind of not charged and neutral, saying to this person, if they are a valued person in your life, Look, I need to talk to you about something that is bothering me. You know, every time we go out, I pay, and and I, you know, I value your friendship or I love you or whatever. But I, I, I can we change that dynamic a little bit because I'm, I feel it's making me feel, you know, used or bitter or whatever, and and I don't want to feel that way.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's. I mean, that's beautiful. <laughs> um, the, co- <laughs> the caveat is: um, Is this an equal relationship? Right. I mean, are are we are we in fact just friends, or do you have power over my career? And a conversation I have had with a friend, because moochers are not only about money, but of time. Right. Right. And and uh, so I've I've had friends. Uh, one I'm thinking of in particular who. Uh, We'll get together, and she'll talk the entire hour and a half Mm -hmm. about herself. Mm -hmm. And never ask one question (laughs) about how I'm doing or what's going on or whatever. So because she is a valued friend, Mm -hmm. uh, what I said to her is, you know, uh, I'm a really good listener. And I listen so well that, um, because what she would always say, well, I've heard nothing about you. I've talked this whole time and i'm thinking yeah i understood that and <laughs> what what we came up what we've come up with is i said okay so how about next time i talk for 45 minutes about me you talk for 45 minutes about you how's that yeah and uh we'll we'll take turns paying for lunch and she said great so in that sense i think she was oblivious and and she later on admitted when she when a other person's not saying anything. She feels like she has to fill the space, right. right? So she just didn't know how to do it. So, but she has no power over me. I mean, we were we were just friends, and I had nothing to lose by asking for that, you know. And and I think I did it in a way where she didn't feel. I, I took the blame for that. Like I, I know I'm a really good listener, and I would prefer people just uh, listen to them and not say anything about me. Right. So this would be a one way for you to find out about me.
0: So do you think that a lot of us have – so it's interesting when you talk about your relationship with her and how it was an equal relationship basically. And so therefore you felt safe saying, I want this thing to change because you're essentially mooching uh-huh. off of me by mm-hmm. talking about yourself the whole time. Are there – do you mm-hmm. have in your life, and maybe we all do, presumably people who you feel you're, – you're, you're being mooched. Upon or from or whatever, mm-hmm. however we'd say that, mm-hmm. but you don't want to do anything about it because you see, you see it's not an equal relationship and you're you are getting something out of it that's more valuable than trying to make things equal.
1: Yes, I do. You know when I when I start being taken advantage of,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I do a self reflection thing. Like, so why am I doing this? Like, why why am I allowing this to happen?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Uh, and and ask that question of myself and some other uh, trusted people, but not the person involved until I can figure out what's going on, right? Right. And sometimes I realize there's nothing to lose. It's just me being shy and kind and all that kind of stuff. And Mm -hmm. it's worth the risk to say, you know, uh, how about if we do this differently than we've been doing it?
2: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: And other times it's like, well, you know, that's the price of admission. I I know what's going to happen, and... Uh, whatever I'm getting out of this relationship is worth it. Apparently, right. <laughs> need to continue doing that, and and that's how I make peace with
0: it. Okay, I've got one last question for you. Sure. Do you think that moochers are generally self-aware? Like, do they know? I mean, you talked about the oblivious people, right? I don't know if you could break down uh, the opportunists. I guess are really self-aware, and they're doing it as part as a, it's a strategy. The oblivious. Yeah, but
1: I don't think, yeah, I don't know that they would call themselves moochers. Right. Right. They would call themselves Shrewd. smart business people and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Right. Go ahead.
0: I guess I'm, I'm thinking, you know, when you, when people behave this way, do you think they know they're doing it? And just seeing if they can kind of get you know, away with uh, it?
1: Um, there are some people who they are so obvious about it. I mean, it's like the discount is written on their forehead,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I and do I I don't believe that they understand what it feels like to be on the receiving end of that. So so I don't you know I, I don't think they're that aware. But I what I want to believe is and I choose to believe is that most people who do this are would be embarrassed to find out that other people thought that or felt that or experienced them that way. Right. And uh, so I believe that if there's a majority, that's the majority. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I think it's very class specific. I think it's gender specific. Mm. I think it's wealth, level of wealth specific too. Mm-hmm. So there, there are a lot of things uh, that go on. I know that ethnic groups have different expectations mm-hmm. about you know what you do and what you don't do and how you do it and all yeah. that kind of stuff. So.
0: Okay, well, the, we could talk about this for an hour and a half, I think, because when we start talking <laughs> yeah. about, you know, the broad spectrum of expectations across, you know, cultures and ethnic ethnic groups and stuff, then then it's both fascinating and um, and it's probably more than my little brain can handle today. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. so we've just heard from Dr. Ted Klontz, who is a behavioral consultant, the author of six books, including Mind Over Money, and co-founder of Your Mental Wealth. Thank you so much for being with us today, Ted.
1: I appreciate the opportunity, thank you.
0: So that's it for this week's episode of I Want to Like You. Our producer is Tim Einenkel. our engineer is Zach Dinerstein, and Caitlin Peary helps me put together this podcast on The Real Simple End of Things. Please let us know what you think of the show. Our Twitter handle is at Real Simple. Or you can tweet ideas for this podcast on irritating people directly to me at Kay Van And I want to thank at Najamy Family for the idea for this podcast on Moochers. For more on irritating people and how to handle them, go to realsimple.com and of course subscribe to us in iTunes.